And I'm like, and I look down, and I've been tiptoeing through a field of bullshit pies everywhere. <laughs> and it's caked on my shoes. And I've fallen, and it's on my face. And everything smells like bullshit. I'm surrounded by bullshit. And the world is bullshit. And so, you know, just, that's pretty much the way it was. I woke up, and it's like, don't wake up and smell the coffee. I can't smell the coffee over all this bullshit. So, yeah. I'm so glad this is being recorded because I'm going to type that out and I'm going to like put that on a motivational poster. <laughs> Yay. We should discuss that later on. But, okay. Um, yeah, anyways, um, let's... Yeah. That's definitely something I want to cover. Okay, so let's uh, go back. Um, Hello and welcome to the KMX Octopus Podcast. We built this podcast with our own AR. This is Kyle again, and I am happy to announce the kickoff of our long-awaited gender and sexuality miniseries. We have interviewed Niklaus McKendry and discussed with them different aspects of the LGBTQQIAAP, or LGBT community, and the concerns of the members who belong to it. We did, indeed, bring up such points as to how gender and sexuality are related but do not determine the other, and the condition of LGBT individuals in everyday life. We became distracted along the way many times, but through that distraction, we were able to bring about discussion on many more important nuances that would have otherwise gone untouched. Throughout this ongoing series, we will make sure to cover as many facets of the LGBT community as we can. Such topics will include the fluidity of gender and sexuality, imperialism and how the grounds of which have caused marginalization, media portrayal, appropriate vocabulary, housing, employment, education, healthcare, and numerous others. Contrary to what was announced before, we would still love it if you could send in your questions about this topic now so that we may incorporate a Q&A session near the end of the series, effectively tying up any aspects we may have forgotten to touch upon. This final episode is yet to be established, so there is an open-ended due date. Please email us your questions at geometricoctopus at gmail.com. Remember, as we have made clear before, we use the particular acronym for the LGBT community that we do because of our research and subsequent conclusions. So please be mindful of that and do your own research and draw your own conclusions. If you happen to still be listening to this episode, we have found it necessary to provide you with a list of trigger warnings that may or may not affect you, our beloved audience. The following audio in this episode and much of this mini-series will include mention and discussion of mutilations, suicide, surgery, ostracization, homophobia, and transphobia, as well as violence towards people of the LGBT community. Please be a responsible listener. Alright, it's time for me to head back underwater. You are welcome to join me and the rest of the group for episode 3, The Reign of the Binary. Hello and welcome to the Geometric Octopus Podcast with Anne, Cosmo, Tracy, and Kyle, and featuring Klaus McKendry at Tumblr at The Niklaus Effect. Follow me, I'm awesome. <laughs> yes. So what are we going to be talking about today, Klaus? We're going to be talking about sexuality and gender, particularly uh, the way it's thought of as a spectrum and variances in it. And let's start off by asking Klaus a little bit about themselves. Klaus, 
What do you think the audience should know about your background in gender and sexuality? Well, um, I'm a queer non-binary person, which means that um, I not only don't experience uh, opposite gender attraction, partially because I think the idea of there being opposite genders is bullcrap, and also because um, I, as a non-binary person, I don't identify as male or female. I, particu- I individually identify as agender, which means that I don't have a gender, which puts me in the non-binary spectrum. Other non-binary identities include being genderqueer or genderfluid, and um, this really all depends on the idea and basically the theory that gender really isn't a binary thing. We're thinking of male and female and that being it. I've been self-educated in gender politics and sexuality politics for a number of years, and, uh, you know, I'm just... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Sweet. I have experience and I know stuff. (laughs) You have your degree now. (laughs) This is great. (laughs) Um. (laughs) i'm super qualified believe everything i say not really (laughs) all of you out there listening i know you are going to love this and it's coming straight from the mouth of an expert so sit back and get ready for class everyone well about as expert as we can get on this show (laughs) because yeah to, (laughs) to be honest i i don't have a degree i don't have i don't yeah i've i've disclaimers I've, as I mentioned, I'm self-educated, and mostly most of my experience comes from the fact that I am a transgender person who doesn't experience opposite gender attraction. I feel like that's pretty much all the qualification that I should honestly need. But don't expect me to be using like, like, oh yes, and then my doctorate says <laughs> in my in my thesis, I I wrote this really. I'm not going to do that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, just for clarification. Trans can be used as both an umbrella term for anybody who is, you know, not uh, cisgender or identifying as the gender that they were designated with at birth, but... but yes, basically, it's just trans just means not cis. <laughs> yeah, it can be used as an umbrella term, or it can also be used to refer to somebody who is explicitly identifying as the opposite gender from the one that they were born as in In the in the idea of this uh gender binary i'm saying opposite gender obviously i'm not necessarily saying that the gender binary is necessarily a thing i'm just saying that for clarity because i'm assuming most of you grew up within the gender binary i'd like to talk about the gender binary just as an idea of that because when when we're talking about um the way we're going to be using trans in this discussion um using the word trans in my case, when I say trans, I'm going to mean anything other than cis. I will designate when I mean binary transgenderism, which is a com- which is not necessarily a completely different issue, but it is definitely very different um, from what I'm talking about when I talk about the entire transgender spectrum. The, but the gender binary kind of stems from the idea that like there are only men and women, and that the men and women what their gender is based off is in fact their biological sex or what they were designated at birth. And the reason we we changed the language from talking about biological sex and designated at birth is because those things aren't necessarily the same thing. And that really ties into intersex issues, which is something that I'm not as educated on, but intersex issues are trans issues because we cannot separate those two discussions, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, at birth, it's pretty much all these horrifying stories of doctors pretty much saying, hey, this is ambiguous. Let's just pick one or the other and then mutilate this baby and then raise them as one or the other in the binary. Yeah, that's... That was, yeah, that's been a long series of issues, uh, to be perfectly honest. And 
Um, there was actually a case in, uh, I, won't, I won't specify who this was because this, this case has actually been cleared up, but there was a doctor who was actually performing intersex uh, infant mutilations in Canada as of a few years ago and only recently uh, lost his, his license because of those issues and also had to do, that same doctor also performed a lot of gender, uh, gender conversion therapy things oh. and that was just, yeah, I don't... <laughs> so how about we tell the audience the horrible bouts of gender conversion therapy mm. transgender conversion therapy um it's we cannot in any, in any circumstances uh, confuse that with transitioning those are very different things even though they kind of sound similar unfortunately um, unfortunately <laughs> conversion therapy is something that both transgender people and queer people go through um sometimes and it's typically performed by, you know, psychotherapists or counselors or in some cases doctors who think that they know the best for whoever is going through this therapy. Basically, this person who's performing this therapy, their job is to convince this queer person, this transgender person, that their identity is invalid and that they are, in fact, cisgendered heterosexual. And the things that happen in these therapies, it can, go, it can be anywhere from just constant emotional invalidation to actual abuse, like physical abuse and it really what actually happens in therapy just ranges typically given on where it occurs they're not necessarily always specific the same therapies but it's that same kind of idea that you know conversion therapy is a it's a real legitimate fear that a lot of queer people especially transgender people have because it's a constant threat that we kind of live under if we're not in really supportive situations especially at home and honestly it <laughs> the idea that that's still legal and it is still legal is terrifying stems from things where it's like you're told that you're wrong and that you're just you know there's something wrong with you and people want you to believe that those who are trying to administer this supposed conversion therapy yes yeah. well that got depressing rather fast <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> Okay, so where do you want to take it from there? Um, so long as we're like branching off from the intersex topic, I'd like to talk about um, how we view the gender binary based off biological sex. Yes, I like that. Let's, <laughs> okay. We can go there. Is everyone okay with that? Okay. All right, sounds good. I'm so excited. Let's, let's do this. <laughs> I, I want to hear this. All right, so the idea of there being a gender binary, it has kind of, it's always stemmed from the idea of like, okay, there are men and women, and we we have assigned the term women to people who have typically a uterus, vagina, clitoris, general, and that kind of idea with uh, an overbearing majority of estrogen in their system. And the opposite, like the opposite being having a penis, having testicles, having an overbearing majority of testosterone in the system. And that idea that biological binary is not only it's not only contributes to the idea of there being only cisgendered people which is but the word that we use to refer to people who have the same gender identity as that which they were assigned at birth based on their genitalia it not only contributes to the idea of there only being cisgendered people but also that there are only men and women and both of those things are wrong and I think a lot of people don't realize this, not only on the topic of, well, there can't be non-binary people because there are only, there are only penises and vaginas out there. Right. And that's just not true. When we talk about gender, we're not really always talking about gender because what we, what people tend to say, and this is really something you only become aware of after you become like, you know, 
like just aware of it after you start thinking about these things the fact that say textbooks or uh surveys refer to women as cisgendered women they don't say cisgendered women they just say women and they they absolutely 100% all the time means cisgendered women because trans women are never mentioned and the same thing goes for trans men and just non-binary people intersex people just are never mentioned and you don't really notice that unless you know these things exist so when we talk about there being a gender binary we're talking about ignorance and there's really no getting around that yeah. the gender binary has stemmed from a socialization of there only being men and women and that men and women have separate different gender roles and physical characteristics and as soon as those norms are broken, we, we as socialized people become uncomfortable. And that's something that we need to move past because it's harmful. Not just non-binary people, not just trans people who are binary have these issues, are affected by these issues, are affected by the gender binary. Everyone is affected by the gender binary. <laughs> I know. I know I have been throughout years. Mm -hmm. And it's... It's crap. It's, that's an understatement, but... If I could add something, uh, the gender binary, for the most part, has been in white or European culture. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. In many other cultures, there are examples of people who identify as either... as outside the gender binary whether that be just purely non-binary or whether that be in the sense of just uh, someone who is transgender in the most commonly accepted sense of the word. When we talk about people who are transgender who are outside of, like, who who exist in cultures outside of that like, white idea of the gender binary, we, um, in anthropology we kind of end up looking at terms as like, oh, well, let's, let's take um, the Native American idea of a two-spirit person, for example. And this was, I'm saying not Native American because this was not limited to like one or two different nations within the country. This was actually a concept that was found across Native American societies. Mm -hmm. A two-spirit person isn't necessarily someone who is non-binary, but it doesn't really matter because a two-spirit two person has a completely different gender role in society. And it's just as valid as everyone else's. And when when from the white gender binary perspective, we look at this and we don't understand because we don't have a place for that in this society. So there are other examples of this in uh, India. Uh, it's not necessarily a person outside the gender binary. It might be a binary person, but it's referred to with, with a different word. In the same way that we refer to transgender people, we very rarely refer to trans women as women, unfortunately. That needs is something that needs to stop because we shouldn't have to specify that a person, we shouldn't have to specify that women means all women or men means all men. We shouldn't have to do that, but we do. Yeah. Because otherwise if it, it's just not, people don't pick up on it. And it's it just adds to stigma when you're trying to look at news and you're like, well, and the news reads something like, oh, woman brutally attacked he was sent to the hospital for God. medical treatment and stuff like that. And it says, original name is blah, blah, blah. And, you know, yeah. that type of bull****. But there's, yeah. there's situations where it's implied that there are real women and then there are trans women. Which is yeah, absolutely which ridiculous. Yeah, which is horrifying, but it's backed up we so much. And it's it's like a constipation of bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> it's just everywhere. It's in every aspect of our lives. It's like, and then when you, like, you wake up one day... This happened for me. I woke up one day, and when I realized, it just all hit me. And I'm like, 
wow, there is no such thing as this weird hokey folky binary. And I'm like, and I look down, and I've been tiptoeing through a field of bullshit pies everywhere and it's caked on my shoes and I've fallen and it's on my face and everything smells like bullshit I'm surrounded by bullshit and the world is bullshit and so you know just that's pretty much the way it was I woke up and it's like don't wake up and smell the coffee I can't smell the coffee over all this bullshit so yeah I'm so glad this is being recorded because I'm going to type that out and I'm going to like put that on a motivational poster yay we should discuss that later on but okay. um, anyways yeah, let's yeah that's definitely something I want to cover. Okay, so let's uh, go back before the bullshit. Um, <laughs> where were it's a we? long way back. We were. Um, I think uh, we yeah. were talking about uh, people outside the gender binary in other cultures. And um, I think if we're going to go back to that, we should probably talk about how uh, European colonization and mm. other actions throughout the world influenced many people in those cultures toward an abandoning of those ideas of non-binary. Yeah. Well, what that really ties into is the idea of cultural imperialism, which is something that often yeah. comes hand in hand with, you know, just normal good old white imperialism. Thanks, Britain. <laughs> you know what? We haven't forgotten about that. Um, <laughs> well, we did run half the world. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we did a rather poor job, but nah. Um, just stay on your island. <laughs> <laughs> your tiny little rock and just stay where it is. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't give a crap yeah. if you have a naval feat the size of, you know, Germany. <laughs> they did a, a lot of imperialism for a tiny, tiny country. Um, Polar anyway. Africa. It's almost as if they were compensating for something. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Uh. <laughs> okay. Let's get back to cultural imperialism. When you're talking about cultural imperialism, again, it comes hand in hand with normal good old imperialism. Because what happens when a culture is imperialistic is the culture in control basically just crushes the other the other concepts of culture that have existed there. And it doesn't necessarily have to go hand in hand with good old imperialism because um, something we talk, like to talk about in sociology is uh, McDonaldization, which actually just comes from corporate America and the way that we kind of stagnate our culture and we spread it. And that's really a kind of an American imperialism problem because American yeah. imperialism is just so different from what people think of as imperialism, unfortunately. And the more dominant this idea of like white English speaking culture is, the more in danger we are of, of alienating people and disrespecting those other people's beliefs. And this, this expands all across the board. Yeah. And when we're spe specifically talking about, say, India, um, which was a, uh, that was a culture in which there was an existing system of transgender non-binary people, and there was an existing role in society. It's kind of complicated to talk about that now, because we can't separate culture that existed before imperialism, because we don't really have a record, unfortunately, a lot of the time. And when we do, we have to think about, it's like, where did this come from? Who's, who's telling this story? Mm-hmm. So having a, a role in society outside of what can exist in American culture, British culture, in this case, Australian culture, Canadian culture, these are the, this is the Western world. Unfortunately, they all share the same beliefs, more or less. Yeah. Imperialism. Capital I. <laughs> that's, or. yeah, that's kind of fair. <laughs> okay, I want to also make a note about you brought up two spirits 
Yeah. And, and I don't want to be yeah. thought of as, as remotely an expert on that because and it's not yeah. it's yeah. not something I'm an expert in. And but it's definitely important to mention that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I remember I remember reading an article that talked about that from a uh, Native American perspective, someone who had uh, studied Native American culture. Mm. And they never specified whether or not they were actually Native American or if they were just, you know, some, <laughs> you know, cisgendered person who was read a lot. <laughs> but uh, so the thing is, is that they said in certain nations or, you know, Native American nations that were not recognized as nations by the British colonies and stuff like that as being... Uh, if those nations, Native American nations, were highly segregated between what was seen as, you know, male and female traditionally, mm. then there was a bigger prevalence of two-spirit people. And if it was less so, and apparently they did have two-spirit people, or I have to, I have to bring up that article somewhere. But, uh, <laughs> okay, so in other words, so some of what I'm trying to say is that the nations that taught the you know, the traditionally male and female roles to both sexes saw less of an occurrence of two-spirit people. And they were trying to argue that that was because... They were trying to argue that two-spirit people didn't really exist and it was upsetting. But what they were saying is that people where they're less focused on sex traditions and stuff like that about what you need to do in society, the more restricting they were with that, the less people felt that they needed to identify as anything else as other than that what they were and the people who had strong restrictions they were saying oh of course there's going to be two-spirit people there was a bunch of outrage over that and they also wanted to bring it down to a matter of cultural appropriation saying that this is a completely different context and people can't use that as an argument in transgender issues and so it was an interesting article it, mm-hmm. it, it really got me for a while there so it is kind of complicated to talk about yeah. transgenderism outside of Western culture because we just we have that always issue of like is this cultural appropriation is this racist yeah. is this just flat out false is this racist anthropology because while anthropology originally existed to prove that all other cultures were inferior <laughs> imagine that imagine yeah. how that might end up being bad <laughs> yeah but I get what you're trying to say there it is kind of interesting to talk about how how we um, deal with non-binaryism. At, in the context of having strong binaries, just because everything always has to do with how we're socialized, because gender is in itself a social construct. And I really do want to emphasize that because gender is a social construct, but it's also an important part of individuals' identities. Everything that people do is affected by their own identities, and identities are like everything. You can identify as a sports fan, and that's an important part of your life, or you can identify as being anti-sports fan Uh, an an adamant (laughs) opponent of sports or a lawn hater i personally am a lawn hater i hate most sports so (laughs) here to fight all the sports oh yeah and (laughs) lawns too also lawns like i'm a chip devotee but i do not like the mainstream's view of chips because doritos those aren't chips Like, what there, the hell? There are some, there's <laughs> drama going on in the chip fandom, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. So that's something, after re- reading that article, mm-hmm. I realized, oh, wow, I'm going to have to keep that in mind because yeah. that's that's a fury topic. So Yeah. And you, we just finished talking about imperialism and how mm-hmm. it's hard to dissect the past considering it's been washed over mm-hmm. with Blanco. <laughs> 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 okay, so continuing on from there. What does that lead into? Trying to dissect it in modern day? Because people are trying to invalidate this type of a topic because they're like, well, it never existed in history. 
Or, you know, it's not in our textbooks, you know. The reason that it's not in your textbook (laughs) is that your textbook is damn wrong. And your textbook is, was written by people who don't have this perspective on history. And for instance, I know I've, I've spoken to some of you in the past about this kind of issue, but there's, um, there was actually once an empress, an empress of Rome who was transgender. She was a, she was a young girl. Um, and, and in history, she's referred to as a boy, as the young, like the king, the young king. And like, and he's known as like the guy who invented the whoopee cushion. And no, and she she was not. <laughs> uh, well, she did invent the whoopee cushion, which is awesome. And I want to like go <laughs> back in time and high five her because that's just like, that's just great. <laughs> but jokes in the room. Just just don't <laughs> sit down. Yeah. <laughs> like don't no thanks. Down. I'll stand. <laughs> that should be a book cover. Just don't sit down. <laughs> Do you know which uh, ruler that was? I'm sorry, I can't remember her name, but um, I ah. I wish I wish I could remember some some things more specifically, but I do know that she existed. <laughs> we'll be doing fact checking later. I wish yes. I could ahead of time make sure I have absolutely every idea, every single detail of what I'm going to be talking about, so I don't have to do this. But unfortunately, I don't. Don't worry, we'll invite everyone to the fact checking party. Yes, hey Anne, we have would a fact checking uh, party. Are you able to- the Roman Empress mentioned here was transgender and was killed for her annoyance and disobedience to the status quo. Most likely to be her dead name, and not her chosen name, Elegibus lived from 204 to 222 AD before being decapitated at the age of 18 along with her mother. It's less complicated than okay, the stuff um, we talking about. <laughs> so you were talking about the... Oh, yep, the sword. Yeah, there's... Hey, we found the offensive term that used to be used for two-spirit people, and we probably... Let's, let's, not, let's not say it because, you know, it's an offensive term. Okay. But, could be educational. Yeah, but in I I think um, at least on this, uh, this podcast this is we should place. we it should is. try, especially considering the fact that at least for four of us we're not in any way Native American. Like no shame, we're not Native, and we we're don't not get to use we're not slurs. First Nations, so we don't get to use this term, particularly because it was and still is an offensive term, and. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. So we do know there is in fact a slur out there. Don't use it. Yeah. I don't know. There are very, very many different cultures with very, very many different ideas of sexes and genders outside the gender binary. However, the issue with talking about that, uh, I believe we kind of already covered this, but to mm-hmm. kind of summarize this. The issue with talking about that from the perspective of somebody who is uh, white and of European descent is that there are so many subtle nuances to it that are completely exclusive to that culture that having not been brought up in that culture, we can not really have a concept of how that works because it's, it's so different from what we know. And uh, because it is that, it's not our place to necessarily speak on what those are. Uh, I, I think at some point it would be really cool if we were able to get uh, some people from other cultures mm. to come and talk to us on issues such as this. Mm. Yeah. That would be excellent. Cosmo, it we'll would bleep be interesting it out. if um, uh, we could find some probably some links down to... Uh, Native bloggers or native activists who talk about two spirit issues and uh, add that into any descriptions we might add at the end. Mm-hmm. 
I've only found one so far, and it's questionable. So. <laughs> okay, maybe questionable. I'll send you some sources. Yes, thank you. So we can avoid talking about it's pronounced metrosexual. <laughs> yeah, that. But once I saw the URL, I'm like, like okay, hmm. this is weird. <laughs> you don't, you don't seem like the person you were looking for. <laughs> it's like, I mean, I could just, it's pronounced tractor sexual. <laughs> like, do you mean country music? <laughs> it's like, hey, I do. Think Did you my mean most of? Do you mean most of? <laughs> Oh God! Can we not? Okay. Okay. So I think I think by I think by this point we've fairly covered that. Mm -hmm. uh, do you have anything else that you'd like to uh, talk about on uh, non-binary issues? What we actually just did there mostly was talking about modern societies when yeah. it comes to non-binary positions, especially non-binary gender roles, which is complicated, especially to talk about because um, <laughs> what we just talked about was basically creating the image of like. Well, if it still exists in these societies that aren't westernized, then it must have existed in history, which is not necessarily true. But we shouldn't have to make that argument anyway, because we as a society should be able to grow and move past this idea of what we've already built for yeah. ourselves. Mm -hmm. Honestly, there's there's not an argument for that. There's no argument like saying like, oh well, you can't you can't go against this norm. You can't you can't say that this doesn't exist. You can't say that you can be this because we don't have any proof that it existed more than like twenty years ago. And you can say it the same did. thing about like new countries. <laughs> so it's like it did exist. Here's the thing, though, it did exist, and we have proof. And Absolutely. there's where there's no. where we run into our issue is there are t there's talk of non-binary identities going back as far as ancient Mesopotamia or uh, ancient Egypt. Absolutely. Yeah, so saying otherwise would be like, oh yeah, you're invalid because you're a psychologist. And psychology wasn't around that long. You know? <laughs> so you must not be, you know, you must not have a real job. You know, you're just studying these magical things that happen in people's brains, right? I'd like Let's to go see. back in time and say that to Maslow. Yeah, you're, to an, you're an aeronautics engineer. Aeronautics doesn't exist. When did air airplanes are new? You must not have a real job. You don't have a real job. Go roll up outside Bill Gates' light. house. Be like, electricity is scary. Fire. <laughs> Thomas Edison's a witch. Wait, wait. You're like, from you're from Washington. Washington didn't exist until hundred no, years ago. Hundred years ago. About 150? This comparison went well. <laughs> well. I mean, it's like showing up in the future and being like, yep, I'm a blacksmith here for duty. And it's like, blacksmiths aren't around anymore. It's all like, well, what do you mean? How do you do this or that? I mean, this we is my job. We created an imaginary binary between woodworkers and the bourgeoisie. You don't... <laughs> but people flip out because it's so socialized that, you know, if you act outside the socialization, then there must be something going on. Or, you know, mm. some... More bull going on. God, <sighs> and <laughs> I love you. Just we somehow mentioned psychology because I <laughs> psychology and gender has been a, a ridiculous. It's, it's been quite the quite the ride, to be honest. Especially again in America, it was it's been complicated. It no, was, I know because see the thing is is that when we walk into our psychology class and the teacher admits, oh yeah. Psychology. I I feel so proud to be a psychologist because it don't the practice hasn't been around that long. You know, <laughs> then we talk about psychology for the longest of time, and then when newer concepts are brought up, it's like, well, let's look at the facts, and it's like, God, yeah. <laughs> if you didn't get that, I'm drowning. <laughs> He's making like <laughs> movements with his hands and falling uh. down to his chair. 
<laughs> okay. <clears throat> so, imperialism and debate over history and all that other stuff. Let's bring in... Yeah. Well, speaking of psychology, could we stop having every single psychology professor assuming that everyone in their class is neurotypical? Oh my god, that's the most exhausting thing. And really, that's more of a... This, this is more of a like, a mental health issue. Yeah, honest, no, but, like, I know, but I'm I'm it, just I'm kind of sagging into that because that is, oh, that is something that I hate, and it's it's not even just psychology teachers, although especially psychology teachers, I feel should be more educated than that. But even regular teachers, it would be great if they didn't assume that everybody was neurotypical, that everybody was. Yeah. Common. Like this this blatant commonness. Yeah. That like as if they talk they talk as if you're in a bubble and everyone outside the bubble is the one that has some type of stigma and that everyone inside yeah. is just like, Oh, you know, you're you're yeah. the common people. Really sucks when they do that and you're you're uh doesn't get brought up afterwards? No, just I'm saying when like you are outside that bubble of this concept of normality that they're bringing up. And it never gets addressed. Yeah, and not only does it never get addressed, but, like, I have had teachers make fun of, like... No way. Psychology teachers making fun no, of No, not psychology <laughs> teachers. <laughs> I haven't had a psychology teacher, but I've, I have had numerous teachers making fun of mental illnesses and stuff. And it's really not fun. You'd be surprised what you notice going on after yeah. you learn some things. I don't think I can survive uh... in high school anymore without... Going into a fight of some type, <laughs> fighting yeah. someone just verbally, just oh. it's hard to be in academic situations because with this kind of perspective, because not only when we're talking about teachers, of course, we, we kind of hold educational uh, people in educational educational positions as being at this higher standard of you know just being you know not jerks about this kind of <laughs> yeah. stuff. I don't really know how to, how to articulate that besides the the idea that at, at a a professor or a high school teacher can talk to a group of students and just assume that every student that they ever encounter is not going to be affected by things that they say about mental health, about uh, race, about gender, about sexuality. That that's not going to be, that's not going to have an impact. That's just not true. And it's, it's harmful. And <laughs> unfortunately, that when we have that kind of educational environment that also affects everyone that's in that educational environment. And this means students, and especially in high school situations, which we consider to be the standard of education that people go out into society with. If yeah. we are thinking that it's perfectly okay for teachers to practice discriminatory language, then we are allowing these students to go out into society without basically any accountability. Yeah. And not just that, but, if you're desensitizing them to it in a way that's dehumanizing and you're pretty much saying that, okay, under the assumption that everyone here is not in the included people group we were talking about, then it's okay. That's like, yeah. that's as long as no one here is what we're making fun of, then we're all good making fun of it or them, whoever they are, or what we're making fun of. <sighs> and yeah, that's after I realized things like that went on on the daily you kind of lose faith in teachers or looking up to teachers in any way. I mean, I never really looked up to teachers, but I always expected them to be, you know, some of, like, the buffer between kids who don't know <laughs> and uh, kids who need to be treated equally, etc. 
And mm-hmm. so when they act like bigots or they don't have an accepting persona, then it's, it becomes a battlefield. Absolutely. And this, this starts is this starts very early on in the educational system. I mean, we love to talk about high school just because this is when people like have the most vivid memories of when they were in the educational system. But we also need to think about how that talks about with in, in junior high school situations and middle school situations as, as far as elementary school situations because elementary schools are are basically where people start saying slurs without any knowledge of it. And because when people use this language around them, especially children who don't have any access to like figuring out like, oh, what does this word actually mean? They only know a word in the context in which it's used. So that means we have things like the R slur and we have the N slur and we have the G slur, we have the T slur. We have every single word that's being used by very young kids. Because they don't know what they mean, and no one is drawing that line. No one wants to tell them. <clears throat> mm. Yeah. I guess to tell them would be more uncomfortable than letting them just say it. <laughs> well, I guess they think that they don't have to deal with the damage if they don't say anything, which is kind of not true, because they will have yeah. to deal with the damage. And things that they hold important will have damage, or collateral damage. Uh yeah, the socialization and all this type of, you know, ignorance starts really young. I mean, I just heard a story the other day where this girl in class said something about liking dirt bikes or something. And apparently one of the boys responded with, like, why do you like that? You're not supposed to like that. You're just a girl. I know. And the teacher had to step in and say, uh, girls can like whatever the hell they want, you know? <laughs> I mean, of course, not with that language, but you might want to jump down the boy's throat and be like, your parents are teaching you bad things, or... In other words, not teaching you things, and you're letting the media and movies take over. Because, man, it is rampant. Well, that's the thing about, like, we're talking about Watch movies, it's, like, scary as hell (laughs) now that I know all these things, and I look at movies, and I'm like, I want to say it's a good movie, but there were so many bad innuendos and, like, stereotypes, it's just, I can't handle it. That's why we talk about, like, the difference between, like, a movie that has good representation and bad representation. There's always been a discussion about, like, well is bad representation better than no representation? And mm-hmm. the discussion that basically that came to was, would you rather have people talk bad things about you or not talk about you at all? And it really comes down to, like, well, mm. what do you want? <laughs> yeah. I mean, and sometimes some of it gets passed off as, this is just a joke, or this Absolutely, is just satire. Yeah. Like, have you seen Pitch Perfect 2? No, I have like, not. Like, whoa. I have concerns now. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, the it difference, really scared me. <laughs> the difference between, like, something being satire and something being offensive is people will take offensive things and say, oh, no, it's just satire. Mm-hmm. But the entire point of satire is you take something that's a little bit offensive or a little bit bad and you blow it way out of proportion to the point where everybody realizes, okay, this is completely bad. And this should not be going on. Mm-hmm. Like, if you... Uh, sorry. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, if you could bleep out, bleep out those uh, last two words there. <laughs> yeah, uh, them, yeah <laughs> kind of the issue there is that uh, saying th- those two words were both slurs that are used against uh, people who are mentally ill. And obviously uh, they're still unconsciously part of my vocabulary because I grew up using those words. It's quite the tie-in. Yeah. But I've I'm I'm trying to stop using those words. Yeah. yeah. I guess it makes it makes but, me more likely yeah. to be sensitive to it when you're called for no reason. 
I mean, yeah. and then after a while, yeah, it's <laughs> it's it's kind of it's kind of interesting how people will use these words that are slurs in this in this context to the point where it just becomes it becomes extremely socially acceptable to use them. I I find it kind of weird, especially yeah. Anyway, what I was going to be saying, trying to get back on track, um, is for satire, if you look at a book like um, Brave New World, which obviously there are some things that are not so great about Brave New World because it was written quite a long time ago. There's some questionable language, yeah, especially in its references to Native American people and black people. But in the context of the story, they take this issue of of a world state, and this was dumb. This was written before 1984. It takes this issue of a world state, a dystopia where everybody's happy and everybody's conformist, and everybody's this perfect little capitalist machine, buying and then throwing out and then buying some more. It really takes that issue and blows it way, way out of proportion to just completely levels to the point where everybody reads it and realizes, yeah, this should not happen. Hmm. And it's, it's a form of satire. Whereas if somebody had just come along and say, Hey, this stuff is you're for wanting to do this. Shoot. See, there's the issue when you get, when you start learning about these social justice issues, you start realizing that a great many of the things that you've been brought up saying and a great many of the things that you've uh, learned and you've learned are okay to say turn out to actually be not okay. They turn out to be rather offensive, have rather offensive origins to them. And you really have to try to unlearn those things and that definitely does take some time and in this instance i'm talking about my use of the word stupid if i may um when we're talking about slurs and in this case what the word you used what we're actually talking about we're not talking about like oh someone's feelings were hurt typically because that's mm-hmm. that's the that's the rap that slurs get it's like oh well your feelings were just hurt so i don't have to, i don't have to respect how you feel i don't care that your feelings were hurt you're just being too sensitive and that's not actually what slurs are. That's not the purpose of slurs. The purpose of slurs, the reason that slurs aren't okay, is that slurs are a constant reminder that p- the people who these slurs apply to are not socially accepted, are lesser than, are disliked, are hated, can be treated with violence. And in this case, the word that Anne used is so far back, it's rooted so far back, that people don't know how it became used in the same way that the r slur is now used but we're we're close enough to that to that point where we actually know its origins and most people know it's bad even if they continue to use it it's not about someone's feelings getting hurt it's about someone feeling as if they are not accepted it's feeling as if they are hated it's feeling as if they are lesser yeah and it's passive (sighs) and it's it's just passive as saying it well also yeah yeah well I don't know if I want to add this or not, but, uh, you know, s- such words as that and many others become interchangeable 
when you're growing up. And then you have no way to express yourself because they don't teach you healthy alternatives. Like, that's not something I remember. They just, because even the teachers used them. And it got to the point to where one day Mm -hmm. when someone tells you, don't say that, you're like, what? What's wrong with saying that? Then you have to rely off what they've told you. And then, boom, the internet comes along and you can magically learn (laughs) some really great things or some really bad things. So (laughs) it's all about this weird learning process involved this is like this weird learning curve at the Mm. same time for people who are completely clueless about the Mm. things they say or at least the origin of everything they interact with and the way they experience it so yes satire should be completely clear and divided between or you know it should be completely separated from stigmatization and stuff like that absolutely yeah You have been listening to the gentle waves of the Geometric Octopus podcast lap at the shores of your mind. Our production team consists of Anne Boudoir, Cosmo Cavanaugh, Kyle Mitchell, and Tracy Medcalf. Our featured guest in this miniseries is Klaus McKendry. I would like to mention that we have a new Facebook. Please follow us so that we may put it to good use. Anyone with questions or comments about the show or anyone interested in submitting a short story or music to be used in the podcast, please email us at geometricoctopus at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and come back soon for another dive. Happy New Year's! Thank you.